Be prepared. It's the 60-minute dash. I don't believe what I just saw. With your hosts, Hunter Highwell and Nick Pellucci. From Studio C at the Connecticut School of Broadcasting in Westbury, New York, it is the 60-minute dash on All Noise Radio, powered by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Follow the 60-minute dash on Twitter and on Instagram at the 60-minute dash. Guys, we have a very busy show for you today as the MLB squads are reporting today for full team workouts. Bryce Harper and Manny Machado still unsigned, but we're going to give you the rest of the free agents. Jacob deGrom's made some interesting comments over the last couple over the last couple days. We'll talk about that. Luis Severino even chimed in on it. And Colin Kaepernick, there's some news on him too. But first, we're going to start off like, with I, like I said with Jacob deGrom and his interesting comments, Nick. Uh, yeah. Can we um, get this man signed already? I know BVW has done a lot this offseason, and I think there's just one more script on the page that he has yet to uncover. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, uh, because of this, although he has been named the opening day starter this year in Washington against the Nationals, it is still left unknown if he's going to be signed again in New York. And with this, he has set himself on an innings limit. Yeah, per, a personal innings limit. Personal, because Which is something I've never seen before. No, I mean, here's, I mean, Matt Harvey almost did it in 2015. I mean, then again, that was a different situation. But here, here's the thing is that I, I, I see both sides of the story here. But really, do I really want to hear that from Jacob deGrom saying that, hey, me, the NL Cy Young Award winner, just because I can't get a contract. And listen, he deserves the money because th- that's the other part. Is that I know he deserves the money, but I don't want to hear that he's going to go onto an innings limit, a personal innings limit. That's a bunch of garbage to me. I mean, come on, don't you want to be a team player? And I understand it's not like he's making chump change either. He's making seventeen million dollars. But that another side of the story here is that Brody Van Wagenen has talked all about last season as his agent, and he thinks that us New York fans are going to forget this. We don't. He talked about how Jacob Degrom, the Mets need to put up or shut up with this extension talk, and now that he's on the other side of the fence. They were talking about extension, and now he's all of a sudden a little hesitant. Like, oh, hey, like you don't maybe we don't need to give you all this money all all right now. It just it doesn't make any sense to me. The, really, that's and that's what makes this situation weird is that like he has he is now on the other side of the spectrum where he's on the outside looking in on this. Um, you know, not being Jacob Degrom's um, agent anymore, and now you're looking at this and it's like, well, you know what he was going through last year. And you wanted this man to be signed just a few months ago. And now because the script has been flipped, you, you're going to come out here and, you know, take your time on this and, you know, not really put your foot forward. And he doesn't, BVW really hasn't said much about it either. You know, he's kind of brushed it to the side where he's not well, come openly saying like, all right, we're going to take care of this. All he said is that we, we want what's best for Jacob. We care about Jacob. We want Jacob to know that we care about him. Well, if you want Jacob DeGrom to know about you, then the the fact of the matter is you need to give him his money. And I don't want the Mets to be cheap about this either, but I also don't want to hear DeGrom, like I said, putting in a natural innings limit on himself because, one, I don't want DeGrom to pitch anywhere else. And for him to be saying that means that he's already eyeing free agency. So if I'm Brody Van Wagenen, I'm not messing around here. How can I me- how can I possibly mess around here if the guy who with a 1.71 ERA, the guy who won the National League Cy Young Award winner, the guy who basically when your team was scoring one and two runs, he was giving you a chance. That's the thing. He wasn't just keeping you in the game. He was giving you chances to win. And you have the money to go spend. Exactly. You have the money to pay this guy up front, and he's your, he's probably the only franchise player you have left. There's really nobody else out there. After David Wright, this is your guy. I said that last week. This guy has to be signed to a big contract, you know, front load heavy. I know he's 31 years old, and he's had some arm issues in the past. Last year it was his shoulder after swinging a bat. But you should look past those things because, you know, he, we saw how dominant he was last year, and, you know, he's right in the midst of his prime. You're going to get good years out of him, and, you know, paying – him right now will evaluate his game better this year and you know you guys have a chance com- to compete yeah if Bertie right Van Wagenen he's talking all about he's talking all about how the Mets are the best team in the National League East they're going to win 90 games they're going to do this they're going to do that and 
Listen, that's neither here nor there because the Phillies are getting better. The Braves are better. You already got the Nationals to deal with. But if you want to go out there and compete with these guys and show us that you're able to win 90 games, don't you think that you want your starter to not be putting innings limits on himself, to be out there every day, to be performing at the top level? It's just it's just mind-boggling to me that this is even a concern. That When I, when I saw Jacob deGrom get his 1.71 ERA and win the National League Cy Young Award, I thought to myself, man, they're really going to they're gonna pay this guy. They are. They're going to give him the money that he deserves. And he deserves all the money in the world. Because he's the if he's not the best pitcher in baseball, he's not far from the top two. That's just what it is. He was the best pitcher in Major League Baseball last year, and nobody can take that away from him. And if you're telling me that he doesn't deserve anywhere near 25, 26, 27, 28 million dollars a year, you're crazy. You're looking at maybe a five-year, $30 million a year contract. And to be honest, he's earned that. And, and he hasn't shown to be very injury-prone. And I know that you can't really talk about, oh, he's not going to get injured. But he's never really had a huge injury problem. The only real injury problem we had was 2016. And you know what? This is what separates the Mets from the rest of the pack. Oh, he was it's a Yankee. Because he signed long It's because now. they're holding back. You can't hold back in these situations. And like the Phillies, they're not holding back at all. They've signed JT Romuto. They've extended Aaron Nola. They signed guys like Andrew McCutcheon. David and now Robertson. they're not done. And they're not done. They're going to continue to grow and get better. And, you know, to me, if I'm looking at this season, the Phillies are the team to beat in the National League East. They really are. The Philly, and, and like I, you said, they're not even done. They have probably the best hitting catcher in baseball. I mean, no shame to Wilson Ramos, but JT Romuto, he's the best hitting catcher in baseball. Uh, you got the Braves, who won 90 games last year. They only added a star-studded third baseman. Yeah, if he gets hurt again, who knows what will happen. But when he's on, and he's And these guys on. are another year older. And the Nationals, even without Bryce Harper, they still have talent on that roster. They added another starting pitcher. They're a problem. And tell me, when was the last time the Mets really bullied the Marlins? The Marlins could be awful, and they give the Mets problems. Why would you risk miss pissing this guy off? Let's be real. Jacob DeGrom is the best pitcher in baseball. And you're right. And right now, it it's put-up-or-shut-up time because although you have to sign this guy, you still need to be able to compete this year. Exactly. Like I said, these teams in the division are very good. 13 of your first 15 games, I'm sorry, actually, 16 of your first 18 games are within your division. I don't know if you remember two years ago or the first month and a half was just in our division. Yeah, it was so two years These ago. are crucial games. These are the most important games of the season, and it happens right at the start. If you get off to a bad start in the first month, you might lose Mickey Callaway. And after that, the cookie crumbles. It's just going to all fall apart. So you really need to revamp this team and make sure you have a good first month here in March into April because if you fall behind early against the Phillies, the Braves, even the Nationals, you're looking at fourth place. I don't care how many games you win. Now, let's talk about the rest of what the Mets have been up to. The New York Mets have also added a Danny Hechevarria to the to the roster. He's got an invite to spring training. And the Mets have really, they've gone a lot of different ways. They've, they've added a lot of infield depth. They've gotten a lot of outfielders. And the way that they're going to send their outfield seems to be a little strange, where they're going to run with... McNeil, Nimmo, and Conforto, and I was listening to an interview with uh, with Brody Van Wagenen, and he's talking all about how when Cespedes comes back, and he was talking a lot about the ifs, and that's a big if, if, if Cespedes comes back. He wants to play this big year, if. but how do you know he's going to come back and be the dominant player that he once was? And like I was saying, they added players like Keon Broxton, and they have Juan Ligaris, you know, the walking injury. It's just there's a lot of question marks here. There seems to be only a couple guys that are set to be on this opening day roster and even then there's not there's no real position like is peter alonzo going to be up here i mean is adani echeverria going to be a guy coming off the bench is how many games is jed lowry going to play like where's what's canoga to do ahmed rosario is pretty much sitting in shortstop i think the biggest question mark for the mets right now is who is the third baseman is todd frazier the starting third baseman or are you going to put jed lowry there Honestly, I trust either one of them there at the start of the season. Excuse me. Um, so I don't really think that's the biggest question mark. I still think it is first baseman because you're at you're at the fence of whether you should bring up Peter Alonso. Because if you bring him up to start the year, 
you lose team control for a year. I understand but, that, but you got to put your best chance to win out there, don't you? I understand that, but I still think that you know it. It's in the Mets' best interest to keep this guy as long as possible because you really don't have a farm system. I mean, don't get me wrong. Brody has done a great job with adding depth, but it's honestly the the minor leagues right now for the Mets looks like purgatory of Major League Baseball. It's all the veterans that you know are just trying to find one year jobs because you know they're they've they're not at their highest level. You now, know their y- prime is gone. You're right. It has it has come at a price. It has come at a price because they traded guys like Jared Kalenic, who was arguably the best hitter in the draft last year, and they traded Dunn, one of their top pitching prospects. It's come at a price, but if you ask me, we were just talking about how the Mets need to compete with the Phillies, the Braves, and the Nationals. Peter Alonso is your best opportunity to compete with these teams. To me, the best opportunity to compete with these teams is Peter Alonso at first and Todd Frazier on the bench and put and put Jed Lowry out at third base. If Because the, the Mets saying that they're not going after guys like Harper or Machado and they're going to stick with these guys, Jed Lowry at third base is your best option. Am I wrong? No, I want Jed Larry to start at third base. I then really exactly. do. And Peter Alonso should be your starting. It should be opening day first baseman. I understand the whole thing about control, but we're talking about competing with these teams. And when we traded for Robinson Cano, you're looking at a very short window. Guys like Wilson Ramos, we're like you said, they're getting aging guys. We do not have time to wait for these guys to come up anymore. Like you said, the farm system's very, very small. This window of opportunity for the Mets to win, and plus, it's not like. DeGrom is getting any younger. These guys are getting older. Wheeler's on a contract year. We have guys aging. This is the time to go for it, which is why the Mets should sign a guy like Gio Gonzalez for the number five starting spot. And that, again, has age. Honestly, this is just poor timing of the Mets. You know, they chose the year where their division is at its most competitive to try and go the distance. I mean, especially with the guys that they've brought in, like you said, with uh, aging guys in their early to mid-30s. And, you know, it also it makes it almost inevitable that you have to go and win now and try and compete this year because if it doesn't happen, you know, the teams that are good in our division are also younger. There's young guys. You got guys like Acuna and Albies on Atlanta and, you know, Philadelphia's Reese got guys Hoskins. Like Adubo Herrera. Those guys are going to be there for a very long time. And, you know, be, the, Mets, the Mets don't have that. We have Nimmo and Conforto. But after that, you know, it's all these aging guys. Uh, Jacob deGrom, 31 years old. Noah Syndergaard, I think he's going up there in age, almost hitting 30. Yeah, we had Mexican and, Tiger just remind us about Syndergaard. And, yeah, that's a, that's another thing is that we have these guys controllable. And that that's another thing I want to get to with Syndergaard. They should probably start talking contract like what the Yankees did with Luis Severino. Get that contract done now so you don't have to go through the arbitration years. But this just goes to our point. Like, you have these guys sitting here. That's the most re- ready to ready to go for it. You got to go for it now if you have all these aging players. That's, yeah. just, that's just my final statement. How do you, Call up Alonzo, have him your opening How do you not baseman. understand? Luis Severino just got signed to an extension, and he's humbled by it. He had one of the worst second-half seasons I've ever seen by a pitcher. After I was... S- already talking about him being a Cy Young Award winner by the end of the year. And, you know, he had just such a terrible second half, and yet they still signed him. DeGrom, Cy Young Award winner. And he's still not signed to an extension. I know he's under team control for another two years. But that's a whole other story. And to me, it just needs to happen soon. You're listening to 60 Minute Dash on All Noise Radio, powered by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. When we come back, there's still some more MLB talks. And we got some... March Madness approaching, so we have NCAA basketball. A couple surprise wins yesterday. This is all coming to you with Nick and Hunter on the Six Minute Dash. You know, our jobs occupy more than half our waking hours. Shouldn't we be doing something we love? Call Connecticut School of Broadcasting at 1-800-TV-RADIO or log on to GoCSB.com. Since 1964, Connecticut School of Broadcasting, with a network of 12 campuses from Massachusetts to Miami, has helped place thousands of grads as DJs, sportscasters, entertainment reporters, behind the scenes in audio and video production, every aspect of the broadcast media. Connecticut School of Broadcasting has trained men and women of all ages and backgrounds in a matter of months, not years. Learn by doing from area radio and TV pros. Call 1-800-TV-RADIO or log on to GoCSB.com. Remember, it's never too late to love what you do. Day and evening classes begin soon. 
get trained, get connected now. The 60 Minute Dash, powered by All Noise Radio. We got more left, don't you? A whole lot. Don't I thought so. That was hot. That warm up. We're warming up. Going 0 to 60 with intense sports talk. The 60 Minute Dash with Nick Pellucci, Hunter Highwell on All Noise Radio, powered by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. So glad you could join us, but we have so much more to go get through. The MLB, um, we're closing in on Harper. Is he going to sign with the Phillies, or is he gonna, Is there going to be a surprise team to come out and swoop him from his feet? And we also got March Madness later on in the show, but let's cover some baseball because baseball is right around the corner. I'm excited about it, and you know, pitchers and catchers have reported already. Uh, the rest of the clubs. Full the squad are, workouts full start squad, today. Full squad. Full squad up in here. Let's do it. So, Manny Machado, Mar- uh, Bryce Harper, they're still not signed, and there's a plethora of free agents out there. And, you know, even guys that are on teams are coming out and tweeting saying, like, they're frustrated for these guys. You know, these guys deserve jobs. And it's hard to be, you know, a veteran that's like 32 years old. You're looking for at least a one-year contract, but they're they're still out there waiting to be signed. And it it's getting worse and worse every year. Last year we had this problem. This year it's even worse. So there has to come to an there has to be some sort of meeting grounds with the owners and the player union where these guys just need to make they're they're here for a job. Well, the problem is is that when it comes to when it comes to these free agents, like we've been talking about recently, it's about the it's the owners and the and the money that they don't want to spend on these guys. Like they don't want to spend three hundred million dollars on one player. They just don't want to do it. They want a salary cap so that they can talk these players down. But there have been some moves today, like Derek Dietrich signed with the Cincinnati Reds, but there's still not that big splash move. Like you and me before the show off air, we're talking all about our like top free agents that are available. Like Nick, listen to this list. You're telling me. You're telling me that Dallas Keuchel can't help a ball club? You're telling me that Craig Kimbrell can't help a ball club? You're telling me that Marlon Gonzalez can't help anybody? Gio Gonzalez? Adam Jones? Josh Harrison? Martin Maldonado? Adam Warren? Carlos Gonzalez? Evan Gaddis? None of these guys can help baseball teams? It's not even just about Bryce Harper and Manny Machado. These guys, there are good baseball players left on this market. And that's why the CBA coming up in 2021, we might go to a lockout. It's scary. It's it's very scary. And it's so difficult to watch because there are guys like Marwin Gonzalez and, you know, Dallas Keuchel, Craig Kimball. They're talented ballplayers. They showed you last year. I don't have to pull up the numbers and read them to you guys. You guys can do that yourselves. It's very easy to see how what these guys can do. There's plenty of talent across the board in the free agency and a lot of guys who can help teams. And that's the problem. Like teams just don't want to take the high risk and but it takes a high risk to make a high reward. Teams aren't trying to win. They're it's too much building. They're trying to get the young players because they're cheaper. You know, they don't have to spend a lot of money and they try to build from the ground up, but it doesn't always work out like that. You know, the Mar- Miami Marlins they completely gutted their team, and now there's really no direction for them to go. Their division is way too competitive for them to even be within driving distance of these guys. The problem is everybody wants to be the Houston Astros and the Chicago Cubs exactly. of 2016-2017. But the problem is that that's just once in a that's while. once in a generational I mean, look at the, team. Look at the Red Sox last year. I mean, yeah, they had it, the way baseball works is you have a mix of controllable players and then you go out and make those big trades and moves. The the Red Sox, think about this. They have guys like Andrew Benintendi on the team. Mookie Betts, they came up through the system. But to uh, to go with that, they signed J.D. Martinez, and they signed Chris Sale, and they signed Craig Kimbrell, and guys like that. And they kept David Price, who had a yeah, remarkable they, year. They signed David Price. He had a good regular season. He struggled early in the playoffs, but he earned his $200 million. And he won them a World Series pretty much because he got them there. Exactly. High risk, high reward. And the way baseball is and turning And they're the best right team now, in baseball, and they still are. Like the, the problem is, is that the, baseball is not basketball. It's not hockey. You know, hockey and basketball, yes. The free agent pool is a little different. 
there's only like five or six like star like star free agents out there that really change the teams. But the way the NHL and the NBA work is draft picks are so much bigger. Because in baseball, the draft picks are years away. Like football, you draft a... Think about this. Saquon Barkley with the Giants. He made an immediate impact the year he got there. The way baseball works, you draft a guy, they're years away. Think about think about how long guys like Chris Bryant were in the Cubs system. Guys like Carlos Correa were in the Cub were in the Astro system. The guys like George Springer, they were just in the system. This isn't and that, and in that, baseball you don't tank. It doesn't that, work like and that. And that's also why a guy like Kyler Murray chose football over baseball cuz he knows he's going to be in the minor league system, not making a heck of a lot of money down there for a couple of years whereas in the and NFL he could be drafted and make over 100 million or over a million dollars in the first year. Sam Darnold signed a 4-year, I think was it 16 or 20 million dollar contract for right there. He's making four to five million dollars right off the bat, and he's twenty-one years old. Exactly. It, that baseball, to me, there's no tanking. Like I said, and, that, and it's affecting the free agent market because there's a lot of guys out there, there that can help teams. But the problem is, look at the American League last year. The American League had teams that were just missing the playoffs under five hundred. Look at the Twins. The Twins did not. They went from being a playoff team to going way under five hundred. There were a lot of bad teams. Where in the National League, there were a lot of competing teams. The American League got a lot of bad teams because they're all just they're all just signing players just to get through a season, and it's hurting the market. There's only it's hurting baseball. There's in only general. eight teams that are really competing. You're telling me that Bryce Harper and Manny Machado, everybody talks about how they're generational talents. That there that there's only four or five teams in on them. That's ridiculous. These guys are stars, and they can t- completely change the trajectory of a franchise and to have only five teams in it is just inexcusable. I cannot see why there aren't more teams in it. Like why isn't Derek Jeter going out and trying to get somebody? You again, you gutted your team. Go out and try and fix something. You got to create a fan base. You have to make people come and fill your seats. Yeah, but Nick, like and I now you have nothing on the field to Put, you have nothing to put out on that field. Who's going to come to your games? Yeah, but Nick, like I said, they're signing people just to get through the season. Like They sign guys like Curtis Granderson. They sign guys like Neil Walker. They just want people to get through the season because they want to suck, and then they want to get draft picks. But the problem is, like I said, this isn't any other sport. It's baseball. You don't tank in baseball. It doesn't work like that. It's not going to work the same way, and it you're still going to be at the bottom of the barrel for as long as you're even there a lot of people are going to lose jobs you know because when teams tank they put it all on the general manager I mean, i'm sorry the regular manager so there goes your one-year deal with the manager and then next year bring another guy in still isn't working out so you fire him but it's because you're not putting a product for the field him to put on the field yeah well the problem is there with the uh with the managers is most managers are brought in just to take the heat and you have to understand that most managers are brought in just to just to take the heat. But look at look at a team like the Tampa Bay Rays. They had a Cy Young Award winner. They won 90 games, and they they had a quietly good off season. But you're telling me that they probably could have used a couple guys, guys like Marwin Gonzalez, a guy in the bullpen like Craig Kimbrell or David Robertson. I don't know why they're not going for these guys. It's just it's it's mind boggling to me. Because look at the look at the American League Central last year, Cleveland ninety one and seventy one. They won that division by thirteen games. Then it's Minnesota at seventy eight wins. Detroit sixty four, Chicago sixty two, Kansas City fifty eight. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. That's the other thing that bothers me too. You got a guy like Miguel Cabrera who's a multiple MVP winner. You're telling me he that he truly loves baseball. He's getting paid and i mean he's getting paid his wallet is packed and he's completely content being on a 30 game below 500 team as long as he's getting paid and that's where the direction of harper and machado are going granted they do deserve a load of cash they deserve for what they do you know they're superstars but it's really what you do after you get paid are you still going to perform for my team and that's what's holding back on a lot of these ownerships, you know, they want 
what they're getting. They want what they're paying for. Yes. But like I said, the the big problem with the like the big issue with baseball today is the owners they don't if they don't have a slight chance at winning or they feel they don't have a slight chance at winning, they're not gonna go after guys like Machado and Harper. It's just like I said, only five teams are in on them. It's ridiculous. And the owners don't want to pay these guys three hundred million dollars. And the way Oh, excuse me, I hit my mic. But the way this offseason has gone is these teams are waiting for Bryce Harper and Manny Machado to sign to sign anybody else. Because they want to see where they go and they want to see if they fit into the competing. Because some teams will feel that, hey, we don't have a shot anymore. Let's not go for it. Or they want to say, hey, maybe if Bryce Harper signs at this much money, I'll get this guy at a lower-valued price. It's all about pricing now in the MLB. That's what it's come down to. There's no there's no range. Like, when you talk about the NHL or the NFL, you know, there's, like in the NHL, there's guys that are like, oh, $6 million players, $7 million players. Like Le'Veon Bell, is he really a $20 million player? We don't know. But in Major League Baseball, it's different. You understand what I'm saying, Nick? There's no, they want the price range to change based on where these guys go. And the owners and the general managers don't want to dish out all this money. Baseball is changing. And it's kind of a scary thought. Now, I understand it's it's a business. It really is. Uh, it's what it comes down to. But, you know, there has to be some sort of, you know, regulations regarding teams that try to tank. You know, I've heard a lot of talks about this on other uh, radio shows where they should make draft picks, not go to the worst team in the league, but maybe the best loser to miss the playoffs. And it'll allow teams to actually try and compete a little bit more in the regular season. Like, if you know you're not going to make the playoffs, at least try to be the first person out of the playoffs. I understand. And I, I understand that whole point of the teams because I've heard a lot of things like... Cause a, I've, I've heard a lot of things like a fine towards the worst team in the league. Like last year, I think it was, Can, no, it was uh, Kansas City or Baltimore. It was Baltimore. Baltimore won 47 games last year. So, But then there's also teams that go into the season thing like the Mets last year going into the season thinking that they're going to win games and then they're just bad how do you determine whether they're tanking or if they're just bad that's an that's another well, part yeah, of the story you can't regulate it really and enforce it as well because you you really can't know but I think I, mean, I think what needs to happen is there's probably going to put a salary cap in Major League Baseball and maybe that's not a bad thing I don't think it's a bad thing at all I mean Really, how much money does someone need to make to be playing a kid's game? Is be, I mean, let's be honest. You're, you're out there doing something that you love to do. Yes. And, you know, you, I ju- I just, you, you, you have protection. You know, there's I, insurance money if you get a career-ending injury. I just think with, this, with a salary cap, it'll, it'll help the offseason in a way that it won't be this slow. It won't be this... It won't be this, uh, you wake up every morning and you're like, okay, is he signing? Where is he going? What's going to happen? It won't be that. You're going to be play Because think about this. In the NFL, once free agency frenzy starts, these guys fly off the board. Left and right. They're gone. On July 1st in the NHL and in, in the NBA, players are gone. In Major League Baseball, players, pitchers and catchers have reported full squads are doing workouts. Spring training starts next week. And the top two free agents... And all those second-tier free agents beyond that have not even signed. Some guys, who, who is Marwin Gonzalez even talking to? It's just ridiculous. I agree. And I just wanted to cover this up before we head into break. Um, I would say our top five free agents right now, and I guess I'm going to include. Actually, no, I don't even have to include. Don't include them. You know that yeah. they're in one and two. <laughs> so we got, I would say... Maybe number five, Adam Jones. Then you got Gio Gonzalez, Marwin Gonzalez, Craig Kimbrell, and Dallas Keuchel. So where do we think that these guys are going to go? Where do, where, where do you find them at their best fits? Um, it's just it's, it's hard to say right now. I think Dallas Keuchel, a good fit for him would be somewhere like the Phillies, be a nice number two starter. Craig Kimbrell, I see a, guy, a team like the Braves. Or he could go back to the Red Sox because they need a guy. I see a guy like Adam Jones. I don't know where he really fits in anymore, especially in today's Major League Baseball. I mean, 
Uh, not really. I mean, they have a full outfield. I mean, oh no, the I'm the Mets can honestly use them. Nationals as a center fielder. I mean, the Nationals could use them, especially if if Harper leaves. True. I mean, two years ago we were talking about the National League Central being the hottest division in all of baseball, but really right now I'm looking at the National League East. You know, these yeah. three teams, four teams maybe, are very hot. You're listening to 60 Minute Dash on All Noise Radio, powered by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. But when we come back, another half of our show, we got coverage of Colin Kaepernick as his grievance case has concluded, as well as some of the NCAA basketball. You're listening to Nick and Hunter on the 60 Minute Dash. Connecticut School of Broadcasting founder Dick Robinson. You know, the media business has changed a lot since we opened our doors in 1964. Now media content is everywhere, on air, online, on the go. More than ever, companies are looking for people to help drive this new media. At Connecticut School of Broadcasting, you'll get hands-on training on the latest software and equipment in a matter of months, not years. Connecticut School of Broadcasting has placed thousands of grads in broadcast media careers. It's all about versatility. You see at a radio station, if you also know how to shoot edit and post videos you become a pretty hot commodity that's the training you get at connecticut school of broadcasting connecticut school of broadcasting with locations up and down the east coast from massachusetts to miami call 1-800-TV-RADIO or log on to gocsb.com connecticut school of broadcasting the nation's oldest and largest group of broadcast media schools redefining training in radio tv and new media get trained get connected 1-800-TV-RADIO. The 60-Minute Dash on All Noise Radio, powered by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Follow the 60-Minute Dash on Twitter and on Instagram at the 60-Minute Dash. And on Twitter, ask questions and answer polls using hashtag Ask60. The 60-Minute Dash on All Noise Radio, powered by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Nick Pellucci alongside Hunter Highwell, as always, on this lovely Monday, February afternoon. Um, Colin Kaepernick. I know you guys have heard of him. He has not been playing. He has not played in the NFL since I believe 2015, 2016. So he's been out a couple years, and you know, a lot of talks around him. But his grievance case has finally come to an end today, as the NFL has decided to pay this man for probably the amount of money that he would have got paid if he stayed in the league the entire time. Um, but what does this say? about the NFL and what does this do for Colin Kaepernick? Well, to me, it's really just a basket case in itself. I think the NFL is just trying to protect themselves and just pushing this under the rug, saying this never happened. We'll give you the money. Goodbye. And for Colin Kaepernick, I don't think he's probably not still not going to get a job, but does it matter to him? No, it, it doesn't matter to him because Listen, he's a much bigger... People need to understand this. One of the reasons why he doesn't have a job is... Like, look at the Denver Broncos when they said he had his chance to be here and he has, and he said no. It's it's more of a matter of two things. One, the publicity that comes with it. Now, people talk about Kareem Hunt signing with the Denver, the Denver Broncos, the Cleveland Browns, and they say he has a job but Cap doesn't. Well, here's the thing. Who's talking about Kareem Hunt being with the Browns right now? Do you, do you even hear that in the news? If Colin Kaepernick... You did for like two days. Yeah, it's gone. It's <laughs> gone now. If Colin Kaepernick signs with somebody, there's going to be constant news attention. And it's not even just sports news. You're going to have CNN. You're going to have Fox News. You're going to have all the local news networks being in there. It's something the team does not want to deal with. There's going to be backlash. You're going to have you're going to have people burning their season tickets, canceling. Your, your attendance rate will go down. The NFL will be dragged through the mud again. The team will be dragged through the mud again. They will lose fans. They will lose money. It just it doesn't make any sense for a team to bring them in because the problem is, listen, you could say Kaepernick is better than some of the quarterbacks in the NFL. Which he is. He is not a good enough talent to be able to to take that much of a, of a financial risk. It's just not worth it. It's, it's really just the aspect of him having that much baggage on him. And, you know, p- Locker rooms don't want that kind of distraction, you know, whether it's on the field or off the field. You know, there's going to be talks on the sidelines, you know, off the media. You know, word's going to get around. Someone's going to say something, and it's just going to blow everything up again. It really is. And it's a very high risk to sign him, although I do think he – personally, I do think he deserves a job. But the way I see it, 
And the fact that he sued the NFL, you know, it's all the owners involved. What owner is going to want to bring in a guy that sued him? You're paying him already because you sued him. And now you're going to go sign him? And here, I, I just don't see it. Here's another thing. is He's such a big social figure that signing he doesn't have to sign another NFL contract. It's not like he's suffering for money. You know what I mean? He's got. And he never did this for money either. No, 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 no. I'm not. I'm not saying that he. Oh yeah. I'm not saying he took the kneel because of a publicity stunt. But there's like there's like a whole other there's all a lot of politics that we can get into. But we're not going to talk about politics, Nick, because this is a sports show, and we're just going to talk about it from the sports aspect. Of course. And he does not really need the money for being on an NFL team, and he's such a big social figure that signing an NFL contract in a way hurts him. But let's just talk about this agreement. There is no way that you can look at this agreement and say Colin Kaepernick did not win. Because, yes, you could say the NFL did not collude against him. And that's a fair point. Like, you can argue that. The NFL could have maybe won a court case. But the NFL did not want to go through the time and the money to go through it. They just want to they just want to get rid of it, give him the money. But they did say... Because, you, because they knew that if they went to court, Colin's team would pull out any sort of information that would p- prove it true. They, you know, uh, they knew that they had something if they were actually going to court with it. I don't really think that Kaepernick would have won the court case. I just think, in my opinion, that the NFL didn't want to take the time and the money because the more that, they, the, more that the NFL was in the news with this, the more it would look bad. Because if you think about it now, people are standing for the anthem. Yeah, they're locking arms, but it's not the huge thing that it was like two years ago is not a biggest thing as it was people are standing for the anthem people are showing up to the games again the season tickets are back up the viewership is back up the nfl is in a way right now that they do not want any sort of distractions and that's why colin kaepernick will probably never get a job again in the nfl because it led to such a distraction it led to such ticket loss it just it was not worth it's just not worth it for the NFL. You understand it, what I'm it's saying? It's not it's not, but I fully understand where Colin was coming from and he used his platform to because he has a voice and he used it to, you know, reform against social injustice and I mean whether you got whether you guys agree with it or disagree with it, you know, he stood up for what he truly believed in. And you got to respect him for that. You really do. But as far as, you know, getting a job in the NFL is concerned, you know, you're not going to see him suited up on a sideline. I really don't see it. And maybe if he gets an offer from the AAF, which has happened already, I can't see him playing football unless he's a starting quarterback. And for him to get a starting job is highly unlikely, especially in the NFL. Yeah, it's just like I said, for the talent that you're getting, it's just not worth it. And the, the, the big problem I had with it, with the whole kneeling thing, is I don't mind the idea of protest. I just didn't like the idea of attacking the National Anthem. And I understand he wasn't attacking the National Anthem. But I just think that the whole thing got taken way out of proportion. I think that both sides were very frustrating. And it took a toll on the NFL. And like I said, we're going to stick to sports here. Colin Kaepernick has basically, he rose in uproar with the NFL. And you got to remember, Eric Reed also has a job in the NFL, and he stood with Colin Kaepernick. He took a kneel with Colin Kaepernick, and he just got an extension with the Carolina Panthers. But the problem is, people can't really use that excuse against the NFL because Eric Reed wasn't the head front. If you ask most people who Eric Reed is, they couldn't tell you. Like non-NFL fans. If you ask somebody who Colin Kaepernick is, they know right away. Because he was on the news every night for months. That's just that's just I mean, the- he was the face of the whole, you know, movement. I do agree with that. And, you know, for me but for me to attack Colin Kaepernick in any way, you know, I mean, I don't think that he made it as blown up as it was. I think the media and you know, ownership, everything combined you know, you mix everything it, together, and it just explodes on you. He you know, didn't, he didn't expect it to get this far. He didn't. He didn't help himself though with some of the things. Well, I mean, he kind of. 
for his position he did, I guess. But some of the things that he decided to wear, it just. Oh, did, I understand. It, I knew. I yeah. thought you. Were, I knew you were going to bring that up. I'm, but just, I'm, mean, just, <laughs> I'm just saying that, like, whether you ag- agree with some of the things that he was saying afterwards and wearing, it just that didn't help his case. This that's it all, didn't. that all goes up against the reason why he will never play in the NFL again. Whether you agree that he's a, some people say he's talented. He could be talented, but for like I said, for the amount of talent that you're going to get, it's just not worth it. And like you said, the AAF, that's probably the only other landing destination for him. But do you realistically see him signing with the AAF? I mean, I guess it would be a story, but I just don't see it happening. But let's let's move on from Colin Kaepernick, and we're going to talk about, like I said before, Kareem Hunt signing with the Cleveland Browns. And I want to get your feel for that. What did you think when you saw Kareem Hunt sign a one-year, $1 million contract with the Cleveland Browns? Do you agree with it? Do you disagree with it? Just how I do you mean, feel? Everyone to me deserves a second chance. Um, I thought it was a little bit too soon. I think it just seems like, oh, it happened. Sweep it under the rug, you know. And I understand he's still a very young talent. You know, there's still a lot more that you could get out of him. Oh yeah. I, I mean, with this signing, the Browns may have put a case in to actually win this division for once. Uh, but again, it I think it was a little bit too soon, especially with all the commotion going on with, you know, the Colin Kaepernick's of the world. Um, you know, Ray Rice, pretty much the same thing happened with him, and he never found a job again. Now I understand it's all the age aspect and, you know, the production that you would have got out of him. Because I know Ray Rice was, I believe, 32 years old when it happened. But it's things like that, you know, if you're going to give a hand to one side, you know, there has to be a lending hand on the other. I, it can't just be one side. You can't pick and choose who you're going to let back in to me. Yeah, I think that – I think the re, well, the reason why John Dorsey did it is because, like I just said when we were talking about Kaepernick, the whole the – people still talk about Colin Kaepernick and kneeling. I mean, who's really talking about Kareem Hunt? You, you know what's going to happen? He's going to get his six-game suspension. He's going to come back, and people are going to really forget about it. Now, me personally, I would have liked to see – a little bit more out of Kareem Hunt. I would have liked to see him go to some classes, maybe some rehab. I mean, he is going to serve a suspension. There's oh, no doubt course. about that. Like I said, around six, seven games, somewhere around there. And I understand that a lot of, I've heard a lot of people say, like, I don't know the full story, but a lot of people are saying that the woman was bothering him first and she put his well, hands on him thing. first. There's so many questions and we don't know. I mean, it happened a year ago, last February, and the video it, didn't leak until... I believe it was October. And, I think it was like know, November. If you saw the video, I'm not going to sugarcoat this in any way because you should still never do it. But it wasn't a violent attack, I'll say. It wasn't completely like gut-wrenching what he did. Now, I'm not saying that anything he did was okay. Yeah, because we, we but all... But if you saw the video of Ray Rice, now that one was that... bad. He's dragging a... Yeah, unconscious he, woman out of an elevator yeah he knocked her out and then dragged her out of the elevator but but for, from a strict football standpoint the reason why the browns and john dorsey did it is because think about it think about what kareem hunt did on the field he and to get that for one million dollars yeah. it's just it's, he, it's a deal that the browns won on from a football standpoint because he's young talent and if he does well they'll re-sign him that's just what it is and it's it's a shame that things like this happen. It's a shame but, that it's a shame that women get hit like they do. Domestic violence is never acceptable. But the problem no, is in the NFL, saying. the NFL lets these things come back all the time. They let these types of things come back all the time. Okay, yeah. Now the reason why I bring up the level of intensity of these, you know, domestic violent cases where Kareem Hunt, you know, pushed over a woman, Ray Rice dragging a his girlfriend out of an elevator you know there's different levels of the brutality but the the nfl you know you're you're a public figure if you're an nfl player there has to be a zero tolerance regulation on this yeah zero tolerance policy policy. so that's what i'm saying like i know it wasn't as bad and you know he's younger he still has talent ray rice you know is a little bit older but there has to be a zero tolerance you know like i said you can't lean one way and not towards another there has to be some uniform regards to all these situations you know you have to treat them all the same way regardless of how brutal it is i understand 
the pro the thing is that the Browns did this as a strict football business decision, and that's what it comes down to. It's just the NFL is in such a peculiar position with social issues and everything that it's just such an odd time for sports because sports are getting more and more political. And I'm not too sure. It's all the media. I'm it not really too sure how much how much we like it as sports fans. Get it? No. Politics getting the, into our the sport. sports are a gateway out of the politics. You're listening to the 60 Minute Dash on All Noise Radio, powered by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. When we come back, we're going to talk some NCAA for you. Uh, college basketball closing in on March Madness. You better start. You guys better start getting your uh, research done because you got to make those brackets and make some money. Don't go away. All Noise Radio. Powered by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. All Noise Radio is an internet radio station that's fully produced by graduates of the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. From modern rock to old school hip-hop, country to classical, news, talk, sports, and more. It's the noise you can't ignore. Log on to allnoiseradio.com. Fire up the station. Find out more about your favorite jocks. Get the latest CSB news and more. Plus, you can take All Noise Radio with you on the go for free. Just download the Live 365 app to your iPhone, iPod Touch, or BlackBerry and search All Noise Radio. Check out tomorrow's broadcasters today at allnoiseradio.com. Powered by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Ho, 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 ho! Santa Claus is here! Huddle up! It's the 60-Minute Dash with your hosts, Hunter Highwell and Nick Pellucci. The 60-Minute Dash on All Noise Radio powered by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. That's right, guys. We're closing in on the last bits of our show, and we have to cover some interesting games yesterday in men's NCAA basketball. Did you see those upsets? There wasn't not just one. There was a couple of them. The biggest one coming in the hands of Villanova, dropping one to St. John's, losing by the score of 71-65. They were up by 20 or 18, 20 points. In that it, game, late it, it in was the second around, half. Yeah, it was around 17, 18 points. And what a win for St. John's because St. John's is a team that's been really... St. John's has been in the talks for the NCAA tournament for a while now. There's been some conversation about them possibly even getting a 7 or 8 seed, which is just incredible to think. And they went out there, and they were getting pummeled by Villanova. It was just going to be like, oh, typical St. John's. Here we go again. They're going to fall apart in the last part of the season. But they go on a run. They come back. And they don't just beat Villanova. They beat them by six, seven points. 71-65 was the final score. And that is a very quality win for St. John's. Basically putting a stamp on saying, we deserve to be in the NCAA tournament. And this is not just going into this year. This is big for them going into the next couple years because they need recruitments. They need guys in the local area because the problem is a lot of these players in the local area go to prep schools. And they get a lot more national attention. They say, oh, I like being away from home. And then they leave. Because there's a lot of basketball talent in the tri-state area. And St. John's needs to make this place a landing spot for people to go to, to play basketball. I th- yeah, it's huge. I, I mean, and you see Duke. They're up in the top four every year. And it's very rare that you see, you know, seniors on that team. Because as soon as they get the ball, you know, they're gone. They they jumped right into the draft and they get signed, and that comes at the credit of Coach K. I mean, he's done a great job setting his scouts up for recruiting, and you know he's brought in all these guys. I mean, Zion Williamson, you watch this kid play, and the way he played yesterday in that second half, it makes you wonder like, how is that going to translate into the NBA? You're already thinking about how well he's going to do in the NBA because you know he's going to be there by next year. You see, the thing is about Duke. Duke is such a... Think about... you got to give the credit to Coach K and how they bring in all these new players like Zion Williamson and Barrett. One of the, one of the things that's so incredible about them is, like I said, they, like you said, they have new and unique talent. Guys like Cam Reddish, they come in, but then you look at the team a couple years ago and it's completely different. It's incredible. And... The way they're completely different than what college basketball used to be. College basketball used to be about we are going to build this team from now and four years from now. And when it's our when it's this when it's this class is junior and saw and senior years, we will go for it. That is it. And Duke every year they compete 
every year to go for a national title. Think about it. Guys, remember with Jaleel Okafor, they won the national championship? And look, the and they won the championship two years after that with new players, a whole new stature of players. It is incredible what they have done with this program. They are always in the top five, like you said. And when they lose a game, they just come out and they win the next one. It's it's incredible. They've only lost two this year. And remember, they were down in that game on Saturday for a brief time. And, you know, even after being down, they still wind up scoring by almost, uh, winning by almost 20 points. It's incredible the way that these guys perform at such a high level. And, you know, I've watched a couple of Duke games this year because, you know, they look like a complete team. You know, you watch the NBA and it's more of, you know, a three-point competition, dunk competition. Duke is true basketball to me. It's really just oh yeah, pick setting, and rolls, setting up plays. You know, the whole strategy of the game. You know, they set up perfectly. Um, their defense is unstoppable. I can't tell you how many turnovers you can watch in five minutes. You watch five minutes of a game, you've already seen five turnovers from them. It's just awesome to watch them perform at such a high level. Now, there's other teams in this race that I think that can legitimately compete you know you got kentucky winning another one against ten uh, i was just i was just about to bring that up because tennessee was the number one team in the country tennessee goes into that game in kentucky i was excited for this game i'm not even gonna lie to you i was so pumped for this game i was watching the islanders they beat the oilers on saturday and i was flipping back and forth between that and this and the first half was pretty entertaining it was 37 31 at the half but then the second half rolled around and man did kentucky kill him Kentucky just beat them like a drum. Like you said, they put these teams, college basketball is much different than it is in the NBA. But Kentucky was running plays. They were hitting every shot. They were playing strong defense. They were forcing Tennessee to take shots that they haven't been used to taking all season. Tennessee has been used to basically bullying teams and really using their really using their basketball IQ to their advantage. But this game on Saturday. Kentucky just used everything that they could. They used their home crowd. John Calipari came up with a great game plan. Like I said, forced Tennessee to take bad shots. And they really just hit every shot that they had to. They drove to the net. They hit the three-pointers. They hit their mid-range jumpers. And like you said, they just set up plays beautifully. And they just dominated the game in the second half. That second half is really, you want to see a team that can take down Duke? Go watch Kentucky. Go watch the Wildcats. Yeah. P.J. Washington and uh, Reed Travis, you know, the, the combination of these guys, you know, they're, they're your point leaders, you know, they're, they're your go-tos, and they'll put the game into their When you put the ball in their hands, they're going to give you exactly what you need in order to win. I mean, watching this duo play on the court, it gives the, I'm sure it gives the coach and the rest of that team and the fan base such confidence to win a game because they take control of every drive that they gave down the court. And really, I it didn't seem like there was no pressure on Kentucky in that game. You know, the, Tennessee is at number five right now, right behind them. And a 23-win team, you know, you're going in there, you're expecting, you know, a shootout. And they just took it into their hands and completely dominated this game. I know the score doesn't really say much about domination, but they were in the lead this entire game, and they didn't look back. You know, they went into the half with a six-point lead, and they never took it from there. You know, they just took control of the entire game. It was incredible. They really just played a fantastic game. But another team we have to talk about, Nick, that I don't think gets enough national credit, and they're the number two team in the country in the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Gonzaga is a very talented basketball team, but they always seem to just get knocked off in the round of 32. They always win their first game, and then they lose to some little school. I don't understand it. They always have these great regular seasons, and you think that it's the year, but they just never win the big game. And I think that this season, it could be different. The way that this team is playing, they're very balanced. This They have their starters chugging a lot of minutes. I understand that. But they really, really, really are a exciting, fun team to watch. And you ask me, there's a couple teams that I think could take down Duke, and if 
for me, it starts with Gonzaga. I think Gonzaga and Kentucky are the two most likely teams to take down Duke, in my opinion. Because you saw what Kentucky did to Tennessee. Kentucky dominated the number one team in the country. Kentucky bullied them. John Calipari has these guys firing on all cylinders. And here with Gonzaga, these guys, they played San Diego, and they were tied at the end of the first half. I understand that. But in the second half, they outscored them by 12 points. They played, they played strong defense. And this team, they know how to play basketball. They're a hard-nosed team, and I think they can give a team like Duke some problems. I think it's different this year because, you know, they can spread the ball around and, you know, put it into anybody's hands and they can score. You look down in their starting five, you have 22 points, 14, 8, 18, and 15. You know, all those guys are putting up points on the team. So you really look at it and you're like, okay, this guy can score. This guy can score too. It doesn't matter who has the ball at any given moment. They're going to put the ball in the basket and that's a big advantage that they have on this team and that's why they're 25 and 2 I mean granted that they're playing a team like San Diego but they still commanded this game in the second half especially and that's the kind of team that you're going to need an all-around team to beat those guys and get past that 32 it's just right now this year is a very exciting year for college basketball because to me there is a lot of there are a lot of good solid basketball teams here. Just look at the top ten. There's only there's only a couple teams with more than three losses. You got Duke, Gonzaga. I think Virginia. I think Virginia is a solid team this year. They have the big man from South America. I forgot what his name is, but they they have a big man who's just dominant. I watched him play Notre Dame twice in the last couple weeks. He really dominated them. There are just so many teams. And don't forget about Kansas. I really like the Jayhawks. And I know that they have six losses already. But then you still got North Carolina at number eight. Michigan, who pretty much is running away with being the best team in the uh, in the Big Ten. I think that they're better than Michigan State. Then you got Nevada at 24-1. Just, there's a lot of teams that are going to be in this NCAA tournament. And a lot of good teams are down in the rankings. Just because they have one bad loss, like Villanova, they lost to St. John's. They dropped to they seventeen. Dropped, yeah, they dropped and spots. The, Villanova's just, in it every year. Yeah, for they, as long as I can remember, I know my cousin went there uh, when I was younger, and anytime I was at their house, that's all they'd watch is Villanova basketball, and they're always just a dominant team for years and years and years, and they lose one bad game like that, and you know they're they're at the bottom of the barrel, they're not even on the radar. There's a it's, lot of th- the thing is there's a lot of talented teams this year in the NCAA. I think and another that's why, I think another team that people forget about is Kansas. Like you said, the Jayhawks. Yes, they're they're a team that's gonna be in it late in March, and you know they're not really getting looked at because of the six losses. And I think that they're still a team that's gonna go down as one of the l- remaining teams because of the talent that they have on the team. Granted, not a there's not a lot of point scores, but you know they have depth on that bench. Guys like, you know, Jordan McCabe, they're going to be able to go deep into this playoff if they can spread the minutes around. Now, when it comes to, when it comes up, we're coming up to March Madness now. These conference tournaments are going to play a big role in where these teams play. Like we said, St. John's, they're a seven or eight seed. But if they go out there and they win this Big East tournament, they can be looking at a five seed. You know, where does Marquette rank if they win their conference tournament? And the biggest conference tournament, to me, is going to be the the big is going to be the Big Ten. Like I said, the Big Ten only has two real competitors, with Michigan and Michigan State. But if Michigan or Michigan State wins this, that's the difference between being a four seed and a three seed. That's a big difference as you get into the later parts of the region. These regions and the seedings, the they are going to be. These conference tournaments are going to determine these seedings, and seedings go a long way in the NCAA tournament. And that's where we stand with the NCAA tournament. Like I said, conference tournaments are everything. And I think the March Madness is definitely going to surprise us this year. As it always does. We always are prone to a couple upsets. But that's all the time we have for today, guys. We have a little bit of exciting news for you. We have a couple of uh, fun interviews coming up. One with uh, Anthony Molina a prospect coming up he was the former number one prospect and he has a story to tell to us and we're also in the works of getting an interview with a chicago-based podcast looking to talk to them a little bit about uh white Sox and cubs before opening day 
looking really Very to exciting, get, man. We're really into getting uh, your guys' perspective on things. Keep listening in, guys. And always follow us on Twitter. There's always more information coming with that. We'll keep you guys posted on the interviews. But you've been listening to the 60 Minute Dash on All Noise Radio, powered by the Kinetic School of Broadcasting. Follow the 60 Minute Dash on Twitter and on Instagram at the 60 Minute Dash. We thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.